Hi, I'm Chanel, digital marketing specialist, marketing coach, and owner of Ninky, a strategy and content marketing agency that helps businesses increase their online presence and build their brand community. If you're a marketing manager, CEO, or thriving business owner, this podcast is for you. Ninky Talks offers marketing tips, insights, and advice from industry professionals who know their sh**. If you dig the podcast, subscribe and share it. But for now, sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hello, hello, and welcome to this episode of Ninky Talks. Today, I am talking to Dennis Horton, who is the principal data scientist at Echelon Data. He has over 20 years of experience in data analytics, and he works with organizations to capture, analyze, and manage their data so they can make better business decisions. Dennis also happens to be a very good friend of mine, and we're going to do a little bit of an icebreaker around how Dennis and I met. Hello, Dennis, and welcome to the show. Hey, Chanel. Thank you for having me. Nice most, to be here. You're most welcome. So um, for those of you who don't know me or don't know Dennis, whether you care or not, we're going to tell you how we met. So Dennis and I met over 10 years ago in Cape Town, South Africa, which is where I'm originally from. We both got transferred to work in an office in Buenos Aires, Argentina. So needless to say, that was um, a, a fair bit of fun gallivanting around South America um you may recall Dennis um is this the moment where we first met and had breakfast and you threatened to rub guacamole in my face and I didn't know you well enough at the time and thought there's no way she'll do that but you definitely did I did I did Dennis Dennis declared that he uh that he didn't like guacamole and I thought well in that case I'm gonna put some on your face um standard behavior (laughs) so just really really mature um yeah. all right so so yeah so Dennis I am going to get you to introduce yourself and 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 talk to us about what you do and, and who you do it for and I also want to understand how you actually got into the role of being a data scientist which is a very impressive um very impressive title indeed but I've got some icebreakers for you just to just to get things going I'm just going to ask you like sort of this or this this or this and you just got to pick one all right you ready yeah okay data or data Data. But I mean, I've got a very weird background because I was born in England um, and grew up there. And then I came here and suddenly my world was turned around with what words are right and wrong, like pasta and pasta. So I've I've stuck with data. I switched between the two. I said data and data. In South Africa, we also say data. But yeah, I find myself saying data. That's good to know. Good to know. All right. Beer or wine? I, I would have said beer 10 years ago. And now I've... Um matured and now I like wine uh, or mature is probably a strong word are you a are you a fancy wine drinker or are you more on the Petridi side of life uh, well I think you might know think- that answer I'm probably more on the Petridi side. <laughs> all right surfing or hiking uh surfing for me uh, I love the ocean I spend a lot of time there excellent pizza or pasta <laughs> um well, I like the combination, actually, of uh, Pizza Getty, which is a concept I found out about when I was recently living in Canada, where wow. you get half pizza and a pasta dish. So Pizza Getty is my answer, which is right in the middle. Well, love it. Big one coming your way. US or UK office? <laughs> well, that's a very obvious answer for me. It's the UK. <laughs> so um, think- what... 
One more personal story um, about me and Dennis before we get into the good stuff is that when we were living in London at one point, uh, we went to go and watch a show. And at that time, don't judge me, but I was on the I was on the durries. I used to smoke back in the day and we were living in London and um, we uh, we went to watch a show and came out and I saw what I thought was actually a homeless man and asked him for a cigarette. Turns out it was a, a cast member from the office and Dennis just about had a heart attack. He was so excited. Um, Mackenzie Crook, I think his name was, who played Gareth in yeah. the office. Yeah. So correct. that was pretty cool. So Dennis got a picture with him. Anyway, we're not here to talk about the office. We're not here to talk about how I used to smoke cigarettes. We're here to talk about data. So um, I'm going to hand it over to you, Dennis. Talk us through um, what you do uh, because I don't think a lot of people know what a data scientist does. I most certainly don't know all the ins and outs, but talk us about how you got into the role. Tell us your story. Um, yeah, so it's been a weird journey for me. Um, I I left school. I'd studied mathematics and physics and all that, had okay grades or pretty good grades, I guess. Um, but I didn't. I wasn't really from a university family, so I ended up joining the Air Force as a soldier initially. Um, realized fairly soon into that that wasn't really my thing. Um, left that. I then was working in the menswear section of Harris Scarfs. Um, again, looking at my friends around me going to university and um, one of my friends was doing computer science, sounded fun. I was like, okay, I'll try that. Um, while I was doing that, my first year compulsory subject was statistics. Um, and this wasn't a concept I hadn't really thought of before, um, but I walked out of that lecture just thinking, I really like this. It's a real world application of mathematics, logic, um, and I basically pursued my degree, uh, changed it to a mathematics and computer science degree, and I majored in statistics. Um, so that's an extremely nerdy combination. Um, and at the time, there was only a small group of people doing it. Um, I ended up getting a scholarship to work at the Australian Bureau of Statistics after my degree, after doing an honours year. Um, and at that time, a statistician was really not a very well-known profession. Um, you had the option to work for the Bureau of Statistics, obviously, maybe a few government departments, maybe a few banks, um, maybe in the insurance industry, but it wasn't a well-known profession. Um, when I was at the pub and someone asked me what I did for a living and I said I was a statistician, um, there was generally no follow-up questions or any interest. Um, so I quickly changed the topic usually. And yeah, so from there, it really... I've seen it really expand. So back, I think it was 2009, a, the chief economist of Google at the time um, made a quote that in the next 10 years, statisticians will be the sexiest profession. Um, and from and that here moment- here you are. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, you know. So um, yeah, it's, uh, it really did like boost that industry. And then this term data scientist came in, which a statistician is probably best placed to fill that role, someone with, mathematical statistical skills but also can program and write in computer language um so yeah it, it's been a weird evolution to witness from the inside um and in answer to your initial question what is a data scientist it's a very good question and i agree there is a there's not much clarity on that um because when that initial boom came out of a data scientist um everyone tried to pat this into one person one person who could understand data understand mathematics and statistics could code very efficiently, could have domain knowledge and subject matter area expertise. And that's not really possible. Um, we the, the term unicorn was um, phrased a lot for that, like looking for a unicorn of someone who has those skills. So it's evolved since then. And now like we've realized that you need to split up into separate roles. So you might have a data engineer, 
right, a data scientist, a data analyst, a business intelligence analyst. Um, so yeah, it's it's definitely split up, but I would say the best short description of a data scientist, someone who can take a data set, has the coding ability to manipulate it, to get it into a form to be analyzed, and then be able to grab really interesting insights from it using statistical or machine learning techniques that will assist the business and then communicate those findings. Basically all the things that I would never be able to do, essentially. Um, it's 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 all very impressive and I'm not a fake it till you make it kind of person. If there's something that I don't really understand, I'm quite happy to ask the silly questions. So um, bear with me for the simple questions I may, I may ask. Um, so let's say I'm a business. I am a business. Um, if you were to come into my business, what sort of data would you be looking for? Or perhaps I can rephrase that and say, as a business, um, we should be collecting data, but what data should we be collecting? And I'm assuming that that changes depending on your business, whether you're e-commerce or lead gen, whatever it is. But like as a stock standard, what, what data should businesses be collecting? And then what process do they need to go through to actually make something out of that data that helps them improve their business or increase their revenue? Yeah, well, I mean, that's a very good question and a question that a lot of organizations, I think, are struggling with. Because, um, I mean, when I was back working at the ABS, I, I had a Nokia 3210 phone. Um, even, even that was an influx of data coming in, but it was a lot more simple back then with data. There would be surveys conducted, you'd get the results, you would analyze, or there would be maybe weather data, things like that. Um, now, obviously, we've moved on from Snake and the Nokia 3210, and we've got these smartphones that have just got a wealth of data. We've got data being produced online, um, Google Maps, location data. Like We've just got so much data. Um, so really, the problem that a lot of organizations face is how can we harness the power of all this data? How can we store it? How can we ingest it? How can we retrieve it? How can we analyze it? Um, so I think... Like what we often do in, in my current role is we would perform a kind of a discovery project where we go in and we have a look, what, what data do you have? How are you collecting it? How are you storing it? How are you analyzing it? What data could you get? Um, are you even collecting it in the right way? Um, it's, yeah, it's a big world of data these days. So it's really hard to kind of find exactly what's going to work for each organization. It's usually very unique. Um, in your case, I guess, I would like to see what what kind of data would actually lead to an, a useful outcome if you analyzed it and how you could change your business to um yeah to maximize your outcomes um so yeah i need to ask a lot of more a lot more questions i think yeah and i mean it's 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 hard because it is it is so broad um and on a really basic level like um if if you were a small business and this is obviously not insignificant, but it's a very basic example of how businesses aren't using data is like your, your email, your email database, for example, like I reckon about 95% of businesses, I'll say to them, all right, do you have a database of email addresses that you can market to? Most of them say yes, but then most of them don't do anything with that. Um, so would that be an example of like a really basic form of doing something better with your data. Obviously there's a lot more to it than that, but for a smaller business, would you say that's something? Yeah, definitely. Um, 
I mean, yeah, obviously having a, a reliable email list of users is important. And then you've also got to factor in, like, have have you previously sent emails and someone's unsubscribed? Have you have you captured that? Or are you still sending things to these people? So having a, like a data warehouse, it's called, where, where you kind of store all the information you have in a very um, accurate and timely fashion. Um, so having a really up-to-date email list, which kind of tells you if someone is still an active user um, and even if you had the extra information like their demographics their location age all those kind of things that could help you in their previous history with your company um, that's where you can really get more insights and you can start segmenting and um, looking at like customizing campaigns for people that maybe have been a bit inactive and uh, starting off like an automated campaign to get them back or um, or even just knowing someone's unsubscribed is pretty useful instead of bombarding them with that extra information that mm. they've already had. So you, you mentioned a, da a data warehouse just then, and I believe there's something called a data lake. I heard. Is it lake? Yes. They go yeah, there, right? yeah. someone, someone mentioned that to me this morning, actually, coincidentally. Um, so so what, what's a data warehouse and what's a data lake? And is there any sort of other data-related things that you can teach us? Um, yeah, so they, they, those are two terms you hear a lot. A, a data lake, I, I just said data. Um, I meant data lake. Um, you, you've got into my head with the data data thing now. Um, That's all right. So a data lake is really just a place where you would dump all the data you have in a raw form, just somewhere where it's it's going to be permanent and stay there. Um, so it's it's always useful to collect as much data as you can and have it somewhere because you historical data can also be very useful. Um, so that's in its rawest form, whereas a data warehouse is more where you've refined it. You've you've taken the bits that you think are going to be very useful. You've maybe transformed it in a certain way that might lead to more kind of business outcome usability, um, and you've got it stored in a way that's just really easy to use and accurate. Um, so the data warehouse is your more refined version where then you might hand over to a data scientist or analyst to say, okay, um, tell me about this. And you might have your email list um, that you would join with another piece of data that's useful. And then you've kind of enriched your data more. With the, the people that you work with doing this kind of thing, is there a trend in terms of like industry or organizations, like presumably very large organizations would invest in a data scientist, um, even though a smaller organization could benefit from a data scientist and having a better handle on their data. But is there, um, you know, is there a particular industry that you find you work with a lot? And is it usually bigger sized businesses? Um, well, it's interesting. There's a few industries that are more ahead of others um, when it comes to the use of data. Um, so I actually spent a quite a big chunk of my career working in health analytics. So analyzing medical data sets and, and they're quite behind, to be honest, in health. Um, there's a lot of issues with like the ethics and security of health data. So it makes it hard to kind of get to that point of creating insights. Um, whereas like your Netflix, for example, will suggest you movies and it's based on some really high level data science. Um, even the images you see on Netflix. So if you were going to watch, um, I don't know, what's the latest show that's quite popular on Netflix? Uh, I was uh, I was going to say White Lotus, but that's binge. Okay, we'll we'll I... use that because that is a great show. It um, is. 
So, for example, yeah, that, that's great. Um, so, Let's continue. Um, so, um, yeah, on white. So, if you watch White Lotus, but your viewing history is more your more tendency to watch romantic movies or violent ones or horror ones, um, there will be different images for that like thumbnail that you view. And it will be geared towards your viewing history or or groups of people like you, their growing, um, viewing history that might make you more inclined to watch it. So there's really lots of little things like that happening behind the scenes that are really refining your experience. Mm. Whereas mm. you may go into a hospital and um, people are writing down on pen and paper your medical history and you have to repeat your medical history six times to different people when there isn't really a centralised um, repository of data there so it's quite interesting that yeah there's probably a bit more data behind selecting a movie than having a a heart failure procedure um, I really like that example because I mean not 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 about the heart failure but I, I like the Netflix example because that's um, something that we're all sort of familiar with and you wouldn't even realize that that's what's happening in the background but it, they, they, they sort of they know what you're doing to try and get you to tap into what that that movie so I like that example of how data is used in that in that regard um do you what do you think like this is also a very broad question so forgive me but what are the statistics around like businesses acumen around this sort of thing like because I mean I suppose like you've just said you know that, that like the health industry is way behind um but yeah like do you think people's acumen around data is 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 good generally or not so much yeah I, I think the just as I've experienced this evolution from like statistician to data scientist to breaking off into different roles um I think yeah many organizations aren't completely clear of what each role is or what they need in the data world and the, the rate of data being produced is so immense that we're just not keeping up with it so I think it is hard for a lot of organizations to have that knowledge and understanding of data and what data is out there, what could help them and even how to store it and use it. Um, so I think there's a lot of catching up going on. And the problem is we're trying to catch up, but it's a very fast target we're trying to catch up to. And then like, obviously this, it would be hard to have a um, discussion about AI and data science without mentioning the likes of ChatGPT and this recent AI revolution and that's just changed the game again completely so it's a it's a very fast-moving world um, which makes it hard for organizations to keep up and as as far as like um, location goes where does Australia sit in terms of the where where, where are we at is there are there some countries that are better than others when it comes to keeping up with things or is this a worldwide challenge um, I think, I mean, you, you have your obvious, like, I mean, Silicon Valley, the way data is being used there is is obviously going to be quite ahead of a lot of places. Um, a lot of a lot of the kind of real data and analytics and machine learning has kind of stemmed from a lot of these American um, startups, that, well, now are huge companies. Um, but yeah, Australia, Australia is not far behind. Um, we're, we're keeping up with things, um, but it's just... Yeah, I mean, the big players are coming out of the US. Um, but yeah, we're we're keeping up. Oh, well, that's good to know. Very good yeah. to know indeed. Um, so I do want to talk about AI and I want to talk about ChatGPT and how that is kind of um, 
disrupting your industry. But before we get there, if you if you are able to share with us and if you're not, then just say so and that's totally fine. Can you give us an example of, you don't have to share the client name, but of a project that you've worked on and what the client was looking to achieve by hiring your services, what data you had available, what process you took and what the outcomes of that were? Is there any sort of like memorable project that comes to mind? Um, I mean, in one that's probably going to be more relevant in kind of your industry is more to do with, so we had a, a client that had a website and, you know, often you get this kind of question, was this page useful for you? Yes or no. Mm -hmm. um, and then there's a box to um, freehand text. So you can just write your response of why you think it was or wasn't useful. Um, so one thing with free text, it's very hard to really get anything out of it. Say, say you've got 20,000 comments. Um, what are you going to do with that really? Um, so we worked on a, with a client there to use natural language processing. Um, that's where we can kind of use a lot of like machine learning techniques to quantify language into some kind of like numerical form for anal analysis. Mm -hmm. um, so what we were able to do was take every one of those comments and give it a rating of sentiment, whether it be positive or negative, um, plus one being the most positive, negative one being the most negative and anything in between, um, and then kind of separate the, the feedback that was given on those websites and then even dig deeper and, and bring out topics that were coming up often. Um, so this is the whole field of natural language processing and it's very powerful because we, we get free text all around the place and it's very hard to use. Um, so that, that's a, an example of a small project that was really could open up a lot of insights for that organization mm. um, on something. Otherwise they were just kind of scrolling through, picking out the best ones and the worst ones to then report, okay, these are the good comments, these are the bad ones, but it's randomly generated. Whereas we could quantify that a lot more accurately. And this might be also another super broad question, but because each project is so different and each business is so different and each challenge is so different for all the businesses that you work with, but do you notice a general trend in terms of the outcome that they're looking for? I mean, presumably a business at the end of the day, their, their number one focus is to increase revenue. So it's a matter of going, okay, well, like let's look at all the data we have and see if we can learn anything from that data to improve an experience that then allows us to generate more revenue, for example. Um, or it might be that they're reviewing all this, they want to review all this data to identify some gaps that they are not filling or, um, you know, some gaps in their customer experience. Do you notice any like common outcomes that a client wants to achieve by using your services? Um, yeah, so we, we work across various organizations, so even some like government organizations, so they obviously have a bit of a different focus, and it's not necessarily a profit-driven thing, it's more about actually understanding and getting insights into what's happening, um, whereas, yeah, a, a private organization is obviously profits generally up there with what they want, but um, I mean, there's there's a big range. It, it might not just be directly related to profit. Um, it could be something that eventually could lead to profit, but even um, like the well-being of their staff, doing a kind of analysis of the staff in a company, which, I mean, if, if, you're, if you've got a company with satisfied staff members, probably the profit's going to increase, but it's not a direct measure there. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's it's such a broad world in data. So 
um, like even just making a forecast of what next month's sales could be, um, that can really help a, an organization to then prepare the, the stock they need or the resources. Um, and if you can get a semi-accurate forecast month by month or even a year ahead, um, you've got a, an edge over your competitor. And the edge could be a few percent, but that's a, a decent edge. Um, so, yeah, it's very broad. I, I don't think I really answered your question there, I'm afraid. But, no, uh, you, you did. And it's it's sort of, you know, I, answered, I asked the question saying it's such a broad question because, like you say, the, the, the world of data is massive. So it's actually quite challenging to ask you know, specific questions and get specific answers because there's so many variables um, from project to project and outcome to outcome. So you did answer the question though. Um, so chat GPT, um, I've had a play with it to kind of see how I could use it or, um, you know, what we're up against because I'm, I'm a content marketing agency. So, um, you know, I've even noticed that like our inquiries for blog articles have gone down because people are doing them on ChatGPT. So tell me, how has ChatGPT disrupted your industry from a from a data statistician programming point of view? Yeah, it's. I mean, ChatGPT is pretty incredible um, in what it what it's able to achieve. Um, it's in in my industry. I still think it's fairly new and we're still kind of working out what impact it's going to have um i mean obviously it's great at creating content but as that content got the human touch i guess that's the debatable thing but it's it's often a good start for things isn't it like put something in it it might get you 50 to 80 percent of the way there and you just kind of adjust around the edges um it's definitely a, a game changer in a, a lot of areas for, for me personally um it can create code so I was recently just doing a, a small analysis and I was using Python, the programming language. Um, so while it couldn't just do everything automatically for me, um, what for the, the smaller parts of code that you often have to write, that it just takes time. It's not like it's hard and you can't do it. It's just that it takes time. You sometimes have to Google search to find out what, what the structure of the command is and what parameter to put in. Um, I used ChatGPT a few times just to do that for me automatically, and it did quite a good job. So, like, for example, often creating a visual representation of your data is a big thing. Python has lots of packages that can do that, but you need to code them and know it specifically how to get, like, you want a blue line with grid lines and axis labels and all these kind of things. Um, so it can just be fiddly, whereas in ChatGPT, I could just say, okay, I've got this plot that I've created, a very simple one, make it look nice. And it just automatically generated code that made it look really nice. And that would have taken me a bit of time to do. Um, that's just cut my time down. So I think it will never replace a data scientist as far as creating code and knowing what to analyze and how, but it could definitely speed up the job a lot and maybe reduce your team size or you, you could just keep the same team size but know that you can be a lot more efficient and start looking into more detailed insights mm. I was uh, I had another uh, interview the other day um, and she mentioned something about Samsung using chat GPT and falling in hot water did you hear about that um, so no, appa sure. apparently they 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 wrote some code I can't remember the details but something along the lines of they, they wrote some unique code and then put it through ChatGPT um, to to test it or whatever. Um, but now that code exists in the World Wide Web for other people to use. 
So they, yeah, it was something, it was something along those lines. Um, so I, I suppose if you're going to use it, if you create any unique code, it shouldn't be tested in ChatGPT. Yeah, you have to be careful. Um, I mean, it's a, it's a learning model. Um, so it's a reinforcement model. So basically it originated from breaking all text down into small tokens. So like smaller words. And then the initial thing was, can it estimate or guess what the next word would be in a sentence? Um, and it ingested a lot, like large chunk of the internet to do this, um, but then developed so well that it could then kind of take a question, kind of interpret what it means and provide the tokens that give an answer. Um, so anything that's in there is going to be really, and the reinforcement part comes in because um, it's it's a neural network, which is this kind of way of replicating what happens in your brain with neurons firing to other neurons. Um, that's technology that was invented in the 50s, 1950s. Um, but at that time, there was no computing power strong enough to really harness that and mm. um, advance it. Now the computing power is here and that same kind of concept, something I they're more refined and complex now, um, but that's what's being used in ChatGPT. So whatever it's taking in, it's kind of learning. Um, and the reinforcement part comes in with the human. So um, it can do that kind of by itself, but you need to reinforce that learning by a human saying, okay, that was a good answer or that was a bad answer. So there's been a lot of work done on that so that it can keep learning and knowing what's good and bad. Yeah, um, you, you definitely so need you a human to oversee keep it. Learning. Yeah. Yeah. And it's because it's a tool. Like again, in this interview I had the other day, she said, you know, it's, it's a tool. It's not a crutch and it shouldn't replace anybody. Um, but it's a tool to help you be more efficient um, and to, to, you know, to cut down that time. So um, anything else that you've, you've played around with in, in chat GPT? Uh, I mean, I've written some uh, funny poems and stories. from Got, got any save that you'd like to read us? no but uh I, I mean I, I it does amaze me though like so with friends that you might have a, a very personal joke that's just very specific about an event that happened um and you can basically give that little synopsis of the story say write me a poem and it, it it's amazing that it can do a pretty good job and then like say okay make that Shakespearean style and it does it like it does amaze me honestly the um the complexity of what it can produce Mm, mm, it is it's impressive um Dennis you've been you've been an absolute treat my dear my dear friend is there anything else you'd like to share with us that our listeners might benefit from around the data science world um and if not tell us how we can get in touch with you um yes yeah, so I'm a principal data scientist at Echelon Data so we're a um data consultancy we, we have very like so we have very high skills in data engineering, which data engineering is getting data from one point to another safely, securely, accurately, quickly, um, storing it efficiently so that it can be used effectively. Um, and we also have a data science unit where we can do those kind of in-depth analysis. Um, we have business intelligence, and that's all more about like reporting and dashboarding. Um, so we have all those on UX, UI, um, kind of digital experience that's kind of what we can provide um and that's yeah really what i think is needed in a lot of organizations is just a lot of organizations maybe have they've had a um like a a platform they installed because they thought it was good for what they wanted to do and then the person that was really pushing for that maybe moved on to a different position and a new person's come in and had a different preference for a platform they like 
And this has happened a few times. And in the end, you get this kind of organization with all these different data platforms yeah, or it's like programs. A Frankenstein CRM. situation. Yeah. And then they don't really communicate well or fit effectively with each other, but people just keep using them. And um, so we we often find that kind of situation and we we kind of like try to help organizations just just use their data effectively. Um, and it sounds very simple, but it's really what most organizations want and sometimes are struggling with. How can we get in touch with you? Sorry, I was on mute. <laughs> <laughs> How can we get in touch with you? Um, yes, you can get in touch with me by uh, checking out, um, there should be a link in this podcast, I assume, um, of our website, Echelon Data. Um, I'm also open to chats um, by email or get in contact on LinkedIn. Um, I mean, I, I'm deep down a data nerd, so I like talking about data, um, about any type of data. I mean, data is an interesting field because it's fairly agnostic. Um, mm. Like the the data of a patient going into hospital is it's got similar concepts to a car being manufactured in a factory or a viewer on Netflix. And it's a very agnostic kind of concept. So mm. any any kind of area, field, sector, um, yeah, we're happy to talk. Awesome. So, thank you so much for your time, Dennis. It was a pleasure having you. Um, thank you oh, for all thank of your, your insights. And I'm, I'm sure that your inbox will be flooded with messages because it's an area that I think all businesses can do better at and should probably think about investing to get there, get a competitive a competitive advantage. Yeah, no, um, definitely reach out. I'm happy to chat with anyone and um, even just do a very high-level discovery and see what's going on in your data world and how maybe there could be improvements amazing thank you dennis i hope you enjoyed this episode of ninky talks if you did please review and subscribe see you next time